Hello and welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international author, broadcaster, and journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan, who was born in Nigeria of British missionary parents, was raised in England and later worked for some of Great Britain's largest newspapers. He has been a journalist covering the world for some 47 years now with a focus on persecuted Christians and missions. And now, here's Dan Wooding with today's guest. Welcome to today's program, and I'm speaking to you from North Wales in the United Kingdom. The sun is actually shining. What a shock. (laughs) And I am so delighted to have a special friend here. Her name is... Glenis Sturgis. Now, that's a different accent to mine. Uh, That is a Welsh accent, a North Welsh accent. And uh, Glenis was, for how many years, a school teacher here? About 30 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. She's also the mom of my daughter-in-law, Sharon. Sturgis knows Sharon Wooding, and uh, she's the mom of uh, uh, th- uh, three granddaughters. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about a bit of Welsh history, the Welsh Revival. The Welsh Revival began, I believe, in 1904, Glenis uh, went on to 1905, and Evan Roberts, he lasted many more years. But tell us, first of all, a thumbnail sketch of what the Welsh Revival was all about. Yes, well, it began in Llachar in the South Wales, in just a small Welsh Presbyterian church. And it was made up of mostly young people who were just seeking God and wanted to see uh, such a difference in their society. It was a very rough society at that time. Lots of drinking, pub going, and a lot of um, unruly behaviour, especially in the coal mines which surrounded that area. So the young people were meeting together regularly to pray. And it happened that one night a wonderful experience occurred. Tell us what that experience was. Well, Evan Roberts was at that meeting and he began to preach and a tremendous power came into that building. The Holy Spirit descended on the people and they started singing, especially the song, Here is Love, Vast as the Ocean. And this movement didn't stay in that one church that night. It went on every night regularly for weeks and months, until it touched everybody in the area. Now, the Welsh Revival is known, the name is known very well, but many people don't understand what was going on. Tell us, first of all, a little bit about what was going on in that part of Wales, because it was a very coal mining area, wasn't it? Um, Quite a poor area and a lot of unhappiness and suddenly the Holy Spirit broke out. Take us through a little bit more of what happened. Well, there is, um, it is said that the ponies that used to be used in the mines to carry the wagons around suddenly stopped suddenly stopped doing what they were commanded to do because they'd been used to hearing their commands given in foul language 
And all of a sudden, this language wasn't used anymore at the time of the revival. So they just stopped doing it. They couldn't understand the commands they were given. <laughs> That's very true, yes. Now, you say it began with the, with the younger people and this man, Evan Roberts. What do we know about Evan Roberts? Well, he had a brother, Dan, as well. But uh, he was just an ordinary. He'd been a miner himself as a young apprentice. And then he came out of the mines and went to do other work, but he was only young, in his 20s, I would imagine, and he actually, I think, was born in the 1870s, and he lived until 1951. But at the time of the revival, he was very, very unassuming person, and it was really was the Holy Spirit that empowered him. Mm. Now... Many people won't realize that there is a Welsh language, and uh, I've been intrigued since I've moved here that all the street signs are in English and Welsh. Um, was, was the revival in the early days just in Welsh or what? Oh, yes, only in Welsh then. Um, now, I think a vast majority of the people of that area probably speak more English than Welsh but then in the early 1900s it was a Welsh speaking area and all the preaching and all the singing and all the prayers were all in Welsh and it made tremendous difference to the Welsh language really and the whole of the revival didn't just stay in Fachar that small village but it spread throughout South Wales, even to mid-Wales, and it touched parts of North Wales, but it didn't extend in North Wales as far as it did, had done in South Wales. Do, do you have any uh, family members that were touched by the revival? Well, not actually touched, but I have got an account that my mother gave me, who was eight at the time of the revival, and she, along with other members of her Welsh chapel, went to a, an area that was called the Common in Prestatyn in North Wales. And while she was there, crowds gathered and they had gas lamps and they were singing. And all of a sudden, she said, they started falling down on the floor, on the ground. And she got frightened. She thought they were all not well. Something was <laughs> happening to them. When in fact it was the power of the Holy Spirit, as we know. But she got so frightened that her mother and her grandmother didn't take her there after that. But she remembers it vividly to the dying day, yes. And would this have been similar to the Azusa Street revival in, in Los Angeles? I think, yes, I think it was a precursor to that. I'm not sure of the dates of the Asusi Street arrival, but I, I think it was about the same time, yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. So in those days, um, was there much connection between the people of North Wales and South Wales? I mean, you know, because not many people had transportation then. Mm. Well, I don't know really, but I do know Evan Roberts and uh, his other associates did come to parts of North Wales. They went to Anglesey and the revival touched in Anglesey and in other parts of the Snowdonia area and in other rural parts as well. So I think, yes, they did. it, did, it was extended through them, but it didn't seem to 
matter whether they were there or not when people gathered together the Holy Spirit would descend and things would occur then so I I was just reading something that a lot of the pubs went bankrupt because they could, they couldn't sell any more booze. Yes. I mean, what, what was that true? Oh yes, that was very true. Yes, they were closed down. Uh, they, they did. They suffered tremendously financially. But the people of Wales, it was it really made a difference to society in Wales at that time. And it was just a shame that it's fizzled out after two years, really. But it made a tremendous difference on the population. And what about crime? Because uh, I'm sure that the police hadn't got very much to do. I, I, I again read that maybe one of the reasons these male voice choirs began, <laughs> because the police had nothing else to do but to yes. join these choirs. Uh, w- w- would that be true? Yes. I think I remember being told that when magistrates and courts had nothing to do, the judges used to put white gloves on, and that was done inevitably all the time because there was just no crime <laughs> going on. And And as you say, the choirs and... Churches had their own uh, sort of communities and they used to do things in the church. That was that was society then. It all happened within the chapels, as they mm. were called. They weren't called churches, they were called chapels. And that, everything that was going on in the villages and small towns occurred within the chapel surroundings. Mm. The, you just very kindly showed me on YouTube and I listened to this beautiful hymn, uh, a Welsh hymn, but yes. you know, with an English translation. Mm. Can you tell us about that hymn and uh, the impact that it had on the revival? Yes, well, this was a hymn that was written before the revival, but it was had a tremendous effect at the time of the revival. It's a, it's a here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood and really I, in, to my, in my humble opinion the English words although they're lovely don't somehow explain or and, uh, give you the understanding of the true Welsh meaning because in Welsh it's Dyma Gariad Vela Moroedd Tostiriaethau Vela Chi and that word Tostiriaethau really means compassion, loving compassion. So the loving kindness doesn't quite translate the meaning as in the original. And then it goes on to say, Tuasog bowid, pir and marrow, marrow and brunin bowid ni. And you can actually find that hymn on YouTube and uh, even see the Welsh words and the English words there as well. Yes. Are you up to just singing a few bars of it for us? No? Okay. Well, you'll have to go onto YouTube and uh, get one of the the translations. But I'm just fascinated with Wales. I had never lived in Wales before. Uh, We're about eight miles from the the English border at a place called Chester, which is a crossover there. But as soon as you get into Wales, it's very different. The, all the road signs are in English and Welsh. Were you raised as a Welsh speaker? Yes, I was, yes. I couldn't speak English till I went to school when I was nearly five. 
So Welsh was the first language, the language of the home, the language of the chapel, the language of the shops in the village where I lived. It was just the language and that's all I knew till I went to school and had to learn English as a second language. <laughs> so when you became a school teacher, did you teach in Welsh and English? Yes, I taught in some schools, yes. Uh, I taught in Welsh, Welsh as a lesson, but it was, they weren't Welsh schools. There are just entirely Welsh schools, but I wasn't teaching in one of those. I was teaching in a school that taught Welsh as a language to be learned by the English people. Mm. Do, do, you, do the Welsh people feel that they're not treated respectfully by the, by the, uh, the English government? Or I mean, I know that's a controversial thing, but, you know, I'm a sort of a semi-Englishman, having been born in Nigeria, but I just wondered, because I, I remember the old days when cottage, holiday cottages were getting burned down and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, how do the Welsh people react to the English people? Well, I don't agree at all with that kind of sabotage and sort of behaviour. But we have got our own Welsh Assembly now, the Welsh Parliament. <clears throat> that came about in uh, 1997 or eight, And um, it, we, have a, we make a lot of our own rules and laws and things now, apart from the English government's. But uh, the English and the Welsh, they seem to get along fine together. (laughs) Yes. It's quite interesting, the accent to this area. You've got more of a pronounced Welsh accent, but many of the people in Buckley where Mm. we're recording this, they could be from Chester, they could be from anywhere in Cheshire. Mm. Um, And so, you know, it's just interesting how it's all evolved. Many... Americans don't understand that Britain is actually four separate countries. You know, England, Northern Ireland, Wales, and Scotland. And um, do, do you... Here's another controversial one. Brexit. This is something that's totally confused people. Um, I, I probably would not have voted to leave. I don't know. But uh, what are your personal thoughts of, of Britain leaving the European Union? Well, I voted to remain too, and I was rather well, surprised when it went the other way. But um, we'll just have to wait and see. A lot of things will be different, uh, and regarding the financial side of it, I don't know how it'll come about really, because we will lose a lot of trade with Europe and will we get the necessary trade with the rest of the world and things like vehicle car production and things like that which I was told cars parts are made in this country then they're shipped over to Germany to have other parts put in then they're sent to France and then they're sent back here before they're sold so how things will happen I don't really understand Mm. we'll have to wait and see now, we've been talking about the Welsh Revival, mm. and here you are, you live in a, a very lovely seaside uh, town, um, and uh, I just wondered, do you feel there is any semblance left in Wales of what happened all those years ago, or, 
you know, it, I mean, are, are things almost pagan again? No, sadly not. And uh, I was just reading the other day that after the Welsh revival, of course, just, what, eight years later, the First World War began and tens of thousands of young men who were part of that Welsh revival were killed in the war. So a generation of people who were impacted and affected by the revival and by the Holy Spirit did not come back. And I think that had an effect on the results of the Welsh revival, really. And then Evan Roberts himself didn't stay in Wales. He went to live in England. And uh, I think it's sad, but Christianity has been affected over the years and been infiltrated by other religions and non-religions. I had the unusual privilege, I suppose, of going to North Korea. And uh, I spent a week there based in Pyongyang, the capital of, uh, of North Korea. And before Kim Il-sung took over North Korea, uh, it was known as the Jerusalem of Asia. Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, went to school there. There were more Christian institutions in Pyongyang than any other city in Asia. Hospitals, Bible colleges, schools. And then this man came in. He was raised as a believer, but then went to Moscow for training and returned as a Saul instead of a Paul. And the country became this awful place that it is now. In a way, has a similar thing happened in Wales? Well, yes, but I think it's taken longer. It's sort of crept up on us over the last 50, 60, 70 odd years. And um, society has just changed generally. And Welsh language is, doesn't thrive as it did in those days, of course. But even that doesn't explain the fact that people just don't have any desire for spiritual things anymore. That mm. seems to be the trend everywhere. So were you actually raised in a Christian home? Yes, I was. I was taken from a baby in arms to a Welsh Wesleyan chapel and my father was a local preacher and he was a deacon in the chapel his brother was a minister in the church, in that denomination and my mother's parents and grandparents had all been raised in a chapel but the only sad thing and this is I think part of the reason why it declined is because when I was a child anyway in the 40s the gospel wasn't preached and I hadn't heard a declaration of the gospel as such that you must be born again until I left my village and went to a teacher training college in Wrexham and joined an English uh, NYLC and heard the gospel there for the first time and responded and that's the sad part because I don't think my mother ever had either. 
And although she lived till her 90s, and my children used to ask her when was she being a Christian, she could never actually say, even though she'd been going to a place of worship all her life. And then she had to go to a nursing home. And she was at this nursing home, and she had, like, a, a vision. And she could see people of her family and I don't know whether she saw the Lord or not I don't know but all of a sudden I was with her at the time and she cried out Lord save me and heal me and she was sitting up in bed she wasn't ill or anything she was in her full senses but she definitely had that vision and I know although she died well, she died when she was 103. Uh, when she did die, I know she's with the Lord. Hmm. Oh, that's wonderful news. Mm. Now, you later joined Women's Aglow, <laughs> an American operation. Uh, tell us about that. How did you join them and what was your role? Well, it all happened because my husband was part of the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship and he was at a conference in Blackpool and the wife of another delegate there, she contacted me and asked me would I be prepared to start this new Aglow Fellowship, which was similar to the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship, which was for men. And I said, yes, I would like to start one in my area. And that's how it came about. And how was it received? I mean, did, were people cynical here or did they like it or what? Yes, it's still going on. Uh, that event took place in 1981 or 82, and it's still going on. Uh, there's different aglow chapters all over the country. Mm-hmm. Now, you live quite a way. Uh, your daughter and Peter, my son, and their family go to a church called Audacious, which is a sort of slightly noisy version of Hillsong. Um, pretty interesting. How do you as an older Christian respond to something like that? Well, we were part of a similar denomination, if you like to call it that, a similar church from the late 70s, 1970. It was part of a restoration group of churches which was begun by Arthur Wallace and Bryn Jones and Carrie Jones. And we were used, we've been used to that kind of worship for all these years, so it isn't strange to us. We that's how we like to worship, <laughs> even though it can be quite noisy. Yes, <laughs> I suppose you could call it noisy. But to me, you get that feeling of. I'm sure it's like that in heaven. You yeah. get that feeling of people just wanting to praise and glorify the Lord. Yeah. Now, if somebody's listening to this and they would say, "Boy, I'd be interested to visit." Wales, particularly North Wales, where you live and I now live, uh, what would be the big attraction for them to come? Well, I think the scenery, the mountains and the seaside, the lovely sandy beaches, I think all that and the countryside and of course there's the castles that people like to see. Although they weren't part of the Welsh heritage because they were made, they were built by an English king, King Edward, in about 
1100 AD to keep the Welsh out of England. (laughs) (laughs) And he employed the Welsh men to build it. And then he put English soldiers in the castles. But they're all in ruins now. But uh, the Carnarvon Castle is pretty well built still. And I know one of the places uh, I really enjoyed visiting was Anglesey, where Prince William and Kate lived for a little while. And tell us about Anglesey. Yes, Anglesey is an island off the coast of North Wales. It's got two bridges, a suspension bridge, Telford built that, and the other bridge that was opened more recently. Uh, But before then, the crossing was just by boat, but... um, the A55 goes across now, and trains go across. And then Hollyhead, which is the largest town on the island, is the terminal for traffic coming from Europe, where they embark and go across to Ireland, to Dublin. Ah. Well, this has been very interesting. I hope it's whet your appetite to not only visit Wales, maybe uh, also... Go on to YouTube. What was the name of the song again? Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as a flood. Yeah, we won't ask you to sing it this time, but uh, uh, that would be something that will give you a little bit of flavour of it. Uh, If you maybe also type in Welsh language, you can learn a little bit more about it. But um, I just wanted to say it's been such a pleasure to learn all this. And to live in your country for the first time, Norma and myself are just about getting used to life here, but people have been extremely welcoming. Uh, I've had a few health problems, as many of you know, but what a blessing. Finally, how can people pray for you and your, and your hubby? Well, we're getting on in years now, so we're finding things a little bit more difficult, but we do thank the Lord that he's kept us well, and we still enjoy Christian company we like to go to Christian events when we can but you could pray that we keep our health and strength and that we're able to serve my husband serves the Lord in some small ways and that we're able to serve him and to be good witnesses to the people in our community Glennis Sturgis thank you so much thank you Dan it's been a pleasure You have been listening to Front Page Radio with international journalist Dan Wooding. If you would like a free subscription to the Assist News service, log on to www.assistnews.net. And if you would like to write to Dan, send an email to assistnews at aol.com. Tune in again for another edition of Front Page Radio on this same station. 